I would go out of my way to attack you. Far of mine, for a time, I would slip out the middle of the ocean and freaking eat It's gonna be the best fucking tuna you have ever fucking had. Your bird tuna! Ben, we're back, man. We were talking about creativity. Creativity. So, um, you asked not to do the introduction, but I feel like I need to explain why you mentioned the word creativity. And the thing is, is I had this thing going on in my head a long time ago, and I think it lingered in my thoughts, like this belief structure that I created for myself. Uh... You and I only met, what, like eight years ago, seven years ago? And down the shipyard, maybe? Yeah. I mean, has it really been that long? That's crazy, ain't it? So uh, prior to that, what you didn't know, though, is in high school, I was a very creative kid. I was an artist. Uh, I got books and shit laying around here somewhere of, like, drawings and paintings and shit that I did. And, um, you know, I I went in the military, as everybody fucking knows, because I've mentioned it 40 times already. And I was still a creative person then, but uh, once I started raising hell, I had this like uh, idea come to me. And I thought about every great mind that ever existed, whether it was Da Vinci or uh, Van Gogh, any crazy artist that you can imagine suffered immensely, but also lived extremely extravagant lifestyles. And I guess I'm... I always projected myself amongst them, and I said, all right, well, if I'm going to be this, you know, amazing artist, as I always thought that I was, <laughs> I always thought, uh, well, I got I to gotta play the part. If I'm going to if I'm gonna be this crazy artist, I got to be fucking crazy, you know? So, yeah. I mean, that kind of helped me uh, become a drug addict and an alcoholic. That definitely encouraged that behavior. But there was also, like, this next idea that, the only way, I guess this was like the beginning of the end of me realizing that I needed to stop living so crazy is at one point during my addiction, I, I understood that I'm either going to be an eccentric artist and do wild and crazy things, or I'm going to get my shit together and have a little screaming baby in the back of my podcast. <laughs> um. So, so the idea in my head was like this fork in the roads. Like when you think about this great, you know, like, uh, you know, the mm-hmm. old American fable of, about the blues guitarist that, you know, was at the fork in the roads and the devil offered him, you know, you can either become the greatest blues guitarist ever or you can not go the other way. Yeah. I, I felt like there was like this same thing going on inside me. Uh. <laughs> I think you kind of put the, the horse before the cart. Or the cart before the horse, right? Cart before the horse, in a way, because uh, usually an artist's success and craziness is what breeds that lifestyle. I don't think they, they like that is really the source of inspiration. I think sometimes it can be. Like acid probably has a lot to do with some of it, but <laughs> I, you know, I think you, you got to be crazy to kind of indulge your creative side that much, right? But the the sort of extreme crazy lifestyle comes once you've kind of dove in you're good at it you're an artist every you're getting money things are coming in and that's when you kind of cut loose you cut loose 
prior to being that success. <laughs> well, listen, I'm an overachiever, and if I'm going to be a wild fucking artist, I figured I might as well get started yeah, get at, start, like, yeah. you know, what, 17, 18 years old? We might as well jump right in and, yeah. you know, start doing some crazy shit, you know? Hooker punching and all kinds of other <laughs> shit. <laughs> that's Hooker a story punching. for another day. Yeah. yeah. So, um, but anyway, so that's not really what I'm... Uh, what I'm saying is, is yeah. was this fork in the roads, this idea that uh, I can't have both. So, mm. so for me in my lifetime, what I noticed is that when I got clean nine years ago, it seemed to me that I stopped being creative. I'm not going to say entirely, but I feel like I backed down and throttled down a lot. Like I still did a little bit of photography and I still wrote a little bit and yeah. did a little bit of poetry and stuff like that that I mostly keep to myself because I'm a fucking hermit. But... Um, allowing my creative side to overtake me is something that I haven't really done in a very long time. And the reason I'm bringing this up is because I feel like with this podcast, this has been me tapping back into it. You know, yeah. almost, uh, you know, me being a mechanic, I'll, I'll use this analogy. It's like this tool that was sitting in the back of my toolbox, you know, and it had a little bit of rust on it and a lot of dust and I saw it, and I just grabbed it, and I wiped it off and put a little, you know, oil on it. And now it works just as fine as the day I stopped using it. Yeah. And, and it feels great. You know, it's filled. You and I, prior to the show, had a whole discussion about a, a project that we're going to work on. Yeah. You know, and I'm, like, super, super excited about it. Like, this, this is, like, awesome. This is really, you know, what I've been... I think I've been like needing this for so long, you know, that, uh, I don't know, man. So, um, yeah. so I'm excited, man. This is what we're going to do. So, yeah. so the creativity thing for me anyway, is jumping back into this. Now, I don't know how much in your life you've experienced that where you had to throttle back because of life's priorities or whatever, you yeah. know, but, uh, so I think it's like any other activity, um, that, that, as your responsibilities increase, either work or family or, uh, I don't know, just other things that you're interested in, your uh, your other interests have to take a back seat, either time-wise or just mental space. Um, so I don't know if we mentioned this before, but I, I do miniatures wargaming, and that's kind of my artistic outlet. I paint toy soldiers and play games with toy soldiers. And Come on, don't, don't adult, downsize it. Don't downsize it, That's what man. I like to do. It's kind Listen, of my this, primary hobby, I guess. This dude is a gangster with that shit. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that, but it, I really do enjoy it. And for me, uh, I've, I've never been... Uh, I've never felt accomplished as like a fine arts person. Sure. Um, my... Uh, one of my granddads was an art professor, a fine arts professor, a qualified artist, right? And I never felt like I really got those genes. In reality, I probably didn't get the training I needed to do that. Uh, I can sculpt to a certain extent. Uh, I do have phallic, some... Phallic objects? Always, or? always. That's my primary thing. I, I was I always a big fan myself. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I uh, actually I don't know if you've been in the house, but I there is a bust, ostensibly of Sean Connery. Doesn't really look like <laughs> Sean Connery. And there's a story behind that. Well, I'll, I'll tell you later. But uh, I sculpted that as part of an art project at school, and I was okay, not lifelike, 
but okay. Uh, and there's a couple other goofball things I did. But uh, so my creative outlet, and it's been a consistent creative outlet for me, has been modeling and painting soldiers, tanks, and you know, weird fantasy beasts and things like that. So I've always had sort of a baseline of that. There was no real uh, peak or valley. Within that hobby, I have peaks and valleys. So I'll, I'll really uh, dive in for a little bit and then I'll throttle back as life or mostly just my mental space doesn't allow for that. Um, you get burnout. Yeah. Even on something that is a hobby, that is a fun kind of thing or uh, even on a not career-oriented artistic scale, you know, you still kind of get tired of doing it. You get tired of doing the mechanics of it. You get tired of feeling like you have to continue to do things. And so maybe a little bit different. I didn't put it on the shelf. It just kind of went into the underground for me. I'll say, you know, that that's like... um... A very real thing. So for anybody that's sneeze. listening, <laughs> my little tiny baby sit in my lap because if I put her down next to me, she's gonna freak the freak out. It was it was explained to me that I shouldn't curse in front of my baby by a dear friend of mine. So I'm trying, Dave Toast. I'm trying, brother. If you're out there listening in the world, you're probably cursing at me right now in your garage playing with your car. But whatever. All it does so, is get you into the habit of not cursing in front of them when they actually understand that. That's, that's a whole. That's I, so I want to touch on the thing that you just discussed, but then after that, I have a whole other. Maybe that'll be a whole other day of yeah. of language and the evolution of language. Where I think that the f word is going to be such a normal part of language. I think it kind of already is. Yeah. I think that there's a little bit of nostalgic left where people are. Uh, you know, you got some older senior citizens that go to church on Sundays that are still pushing this agenda of no cursing. But I think our generation has deteriorated that. Uh, I think that may not be as accurate as you may think, uh, but we'll save it for another day. Yeah, yeah. So back to the creativity topic. So well, like you said, getting burnout yeah. and getting... Uh, you know what's amazing is that this all started with this goal of mine, this bucket list goal of trying stand-up comedy, going to an open mic with some written jokes that I have prepared and climbing up on stage and giving it a shot. And, you know, like the first huge fear, which I don't think is necessarily a fear anymore. Now I think I'm like reaching this point where I'm like willing to just go up there and embrace getting booed off the fucking stage. But that's, this is all a part of me preparing to do such a thing. Anyway, though, what's amazing is with all this, with the podcast, with the bullshit little page I have on Facebook, like the fan club where we yeah. all talk shit, you do get burnt out. I get burnt out attempting to be funny, and I wish I had more comedian friends to, to talk to about like this thing that I'm trying to do here because I'm starting to realize that you can't be funny all the time. And yeah. I am fucking up doing that. I think that I need to be clever 23 hours a day when really it's impossible. In fact, I fucked up. <laughs> I insulted yeah. my wife the other day pretty bad publicly on that fucking page. And I didn't mean to. It was, it was absolutely an accident. But I, I come to realize that like 
I'm pushing too hard on this and I'm getting burnt out. I'm not, it's not funny when you're trying so fucking hard. Yeah. So like there's a time and a place and, and uh, I'm learning to get more organized. The, the beauty of, uh, you know, I guess this taps back into uh, this idea I had. So they say the you know psychologists, psychiatrists, doctors, smart people that are way smarter than me. They say that your brain typically has two hemispheres, right? A left and a right. Yeah. And I think that the theory is is your left side is your logical side. I believe I said that correctly. Yeah. And your right side is the creative side. Yeah. And from what I understand, most people typically function in one side or the other. That's their theory anyway. But there are some people out there that can maneuver both sides. And and not to toot my own horn, but I think that I am one of these people. Mm -hmm. I'm an artist that can draw a picture out of my head that never existed before. Yeah. I can just create something, but I can also show you the math behind it. And I'm extremely logical sometimes, too. Yeah. And uh, that's where I think that I can excel nowadays. That's where I'm hoping to excel because to do such a thing that we're doing right now requires creativity, but it also requires a whole lot of logic behind it. Yeah. You know, to sit down and plan this out and structure everything accordingly is a lot. It's a lot of logic. Yeah. But it also requires us to sit down and come up with some very creative, unique ideas and think outside the box and talk about goofy shit, you know, yeah. uh, flat earthers and fucking beans yeah, and <laughs> yeah i think i think what um i think you've kind of hit the core conflict in the creative realm you know it, i guess if you kind of were a fly on the wall in a writer's room of a successful comedy show you would see both extremes of what it takes to produce something that is creative so you have the the you know the crazy writers that are like doing blow and <laughs> drinking and carrying on, which is your former crazy outlandish artist side, right? Yeah. But then you also have the people, the writers who are there to kind of wrangle those out, you know, crazy out there personalities and ideas and people and put them in a format that is digestible, but also still creative. And I, I, I wouldn't say that that's logical because that create, that takes a, a huge amount of creativity to structure that. I think there's different kinds of people and different personalities. And you need all of those people and all of those personalities in order to make things run in the right way. It's, it's to bring it to an analogy that I'm terrible with, but you're good at, <laughs> cars. You gotta have some crazy person come up with, well, Maybe if I burn gasoline, I'll make a I'll make something that goes. An internal combustion engine. Yeah, but you had to have somebody that took that leap, that had that creativity, that mechanical creativity, to say, what if I do this? Well, you know, what if I do that? What if I try all these things and see if they work? Then you had to have the guy that actually had to make that function that way. Same yeah. thing with building a space shuttle or making a bridge or making a building or making a really large art installation or whatever. You know, you got to have somebody that's like, we're going to do this great, awesome thing. And then you got to have somebody else or another part of your personality go, hold on a second. 
how do I do this? It's cool doing it. It's cool having the idea, but I want to make that a reality. How do I do that? Hmm. That's why you're here, right? You're my logical side? I don't know, man. <laughs> I try. I, I, I try. So, uh, so yeah, man. So this is, this is me. You know what's funny, though, is um, I guess since I've lived in the logical hemisphere of my brain for, for quite a while now, almost nine years, that's the way I, I see it. Yeah. I, I had to strap down. I had to... Uh, you know what's funny? Our generation will get this uh, idea. Remember the movie, The NeverEnding Story? Yes. I remember at one point when Sebastian said he's screaming at uh, Atreyu. I think he's saying, you know, no, they told me I had to keep my feet on the ground. And I always reflect on that idea of like being a very imaginative person or being a grounded person that needs to go to work and pay their bills and get a house and, and to me, there's such a, like an internal struggle about should I be wild and fantastic and abstract and create amazing things, but then I'm not going to be able to control my regular life. And yeah. that's, uh, that's a great fight that I, I, th I think I still have that going on because some days I think up wild shit and then the other side of me kicks in and goes, no, 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 that's too much. Yeah. Don't, don't go that far, you know? And, and it's tough, you know, like, um, so I look at other, I look at comedy right now. Let's, let's talk about comedy. And, mm -hmm. and I'm not sure how much, uh, you can, like how much you pay attention to it or follow it, really. but obviously you understand yeah. that right now in our country, without going into, uh, political opinions or nothing, but we know that it, there's a very, there's a, a problem with political correctness. So you can't be Carlin. You can't be Eddie Murphy. Yeah. You can't be Richard Pryor. You could never make Blazing Saddles. All <laughs> of these things that were kind of classic, you know, comedies, right? You can't make today. Because if you did, you'd be pilloried. Like the internet would blow up. Yeah. No one would, see your, would go watch your movie because you're horrible people. There was a cleverness to a lot of those folks that were trying to use comedy to make social commentary. Yeah. And right now, I don't think society has a subtlety to it that realizes that's what they were doing. Yeah. You know. It just seems so like, uh, like the comedian Dave Chappelle recently put out a new, yeah. uh, new show on Netflix, and I saw it, and, and he poked a little fun at the... The gay community. Look, man, I don't... I, if you want to fucking slaughter somebody, Brother Ben had no part of this. But, dude, I don't know how many fucking letters you guys have in this whole analogy. L-B-G-T-Q-R-N-R-O-F-Z-Y-A-B-C-D-F-G. I can't keep up anymore, dude. There's yeah. just... The fucking gay community. That's all I know, okay? So, yell at me. Don't yell at Brother Ben. I said it. No, you can yell you at know? me, too, because I don't get it. I don't get the... There's just more fucking letters. Yeah. So anyway, I don't know what all the letters stand for, and yeah. it's not that I I have any problem. You can add as many letters yeah. as you want, but you got to realize I'm going to be confused because I don't get it. I'm not yeah. in that world. I'm not in that sphere. Let's just I don't call it understand. a name, man. Let's call yeah. it uh Let's call it uh I'm trying to think of a clever name right now. What could we call this? I just stick with the basic gay community. The gay that, community. You know right. that that's. 
you would hope that most of them would self-identify and understand where we're going with that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, self-identify. I, I so keep it straight. So to keep back on, to, to pull it back on point, though, Dave Chappelle poked a little bit of fun and then got his balls broken in the media for poking a little fun. And nowadays, with a guy like me that is so small compared to these huge celebrities, Dave Chappelle, in my opinion, right now is... You know, uh, he's fucking huge, man. Like, yeah. I'm trying to, like, compare and think. But, like, to me, when when I think of great comedians, he is up there. Like, he is working yeah. his way to the top of this list of, like you said, George Carlin, the Eddie Murphys. Yeah. You know, like, uh, and I think that he's a very abstract thinker. But he's getting crucified for being that. And that's the part that makes it very difficult for a small person like me to even want to attempt... To fucking open my mouth. You so know? I'll say something. This might just be a, a generalization, and this may be inaccurate because I'm, I'm on a completely different coast from Hollywood. But I think <laughs> that Hollywood and California in general is a very progressive, liberal spot. Sure. Right? I think that's a recognized fact. I think everybody in the country will agree with that. Yeah. So based on that... That's also a very closed community in a yeah. lot of different ways. And something that I have observed in my personal life, that, that people that are especially gays, especially people with a certain... I'm not, I'm not going to say axe to grind because that's not... Very strong convictions, right? Yeah. People with strong convictions, especially people that have strong convictions that have been ostracized or isolated... In some way, and and this goes for right wing and left wing. They sure. tend to collect around each other, yeah. right? Because you've you've felt so lonely and isolated for so long, and you finally meet somebody else that is kind of like you, that kind of thinks the same way as you, and it collects into this giant amoeba or snowball of people that all think the same or similar, and they have a hard time then accepting people who have different thoughts because they're all in this little pressure cooker together. Maybe I'm wrong. She doesn't agree. <laughs> but I think that's, that's part of the problem is you got Hollywood, right? Hollywood is in California, has a very specific, in a lot of ways, progressive liberal identity. Yeah. And then you have a guy that I would say probably typifies that. And, you know, he's had a lot of social commentary and a lot of the stuff he does. A lot of it doesn't fit kind of like hardline conservative values. I, he strikes me as a very normal American. Yeah. He's got opinions that he wants to share. Comedy is his platform to do that. And I think because he's not conforming to the ideal of the community that he's in, they feel like they can beat him up about it. I don't yeah. think that's right. I think he's trying to make a point. Yeah, it's just... Or just trying to be funny, and sometimes funny offends people. So that's a whole problem in itself. You know, like we... Uh, this project that you and I said we're going to work on, yeah. you know, the one thing that I wish... Uh, I'm trying to think of how to like word myself correctly here, but anyway, it's not even a matter of like, like offending somebody. I'll say this. When I turn on my fucking television, every show that I see 
has a political agenda tied to it or some propaganda tied to it or a snark remark about a uh, another political affiliation and i'm i'm fucking just exhausted with it man me personally as a guy that thoroughly i mean i went to three years of film school because i love movies and television i think it's it's amazing it is the modern form of artwork i think directors that make these quentin tarantino and ridley scott and uh you know like spielberg and and uh you know coppola and all these great directors to me i see these guys as the modern artist this is the warhols and the da vinci's they're telling a story and da vinci let's be realistic if da vinci had a platform like theatrics and movies and and motion pictures he absolutely would have done it you know yeah, i think each to their own talent but i i, I think you're right that that um storytelling isn't just confined to books or magazines or, sure or oral stories you know campfire stories or whatever you want to call it now we have a huge industry that's devoted to storytelling and it's awesome yeah it's great but it has also become so popular that people are now utilizing it to push their agenda and to me i'm disgusted with that me personally i am so tired of it i'm tired of watching a movie and feeling like this undertone of a political party pushing their agenda on it yeah i don't want to fucking hear it no more and it's not just one way or the other it's just anybody just tell me a good fucking story nowadays yeah and um so i think uh something that to remark on that i think if have you ever watched like old or like world war ii era stuff or or like old black and white films there's a lot of kind of underlying propaganda in that if you know some of the history well, especially world war ii era but i i think uh, that was a very purposeful use of it yeah. for a very specific time and I, that i kind of understand I'm not sure i forgive it because it's you're still manipulating the general masses yeah with a very specific agenda in mind with something that's masquerading as entertainment but we're not fighting a giant war now. Yeah. You're taking whatever political battles you have and are bringing it into my entertainment space. Yeah. And I don't like that. First, you think I'm too stupid to realize it, which which irks me. Yeah. And then you think it's actually going to sway my opinion. You know, you think you're going to be effective. Well, you think I'm going to be stupid and 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 buy into it. And that it's going to be effective and change my opinion at the same time when all I want is to see something that's fun, that makes me kind of think a little bit. Yeah. Know? So I guess that the, um, you know, I'm going to sound like a pessimist or a very negative person right now when I say this, but I think that it does work. I'll say that. I and that's, that's the part that fucking bums me out. When I walk down the street and general people say shit out loud and I just think... It must be working. Everybody's talking about politics. Like, so you and I discussed what could we make this next episode about? And I said, you know what? Maybe we need to just approach this giant fucking elephant in the room. Because I keep dancing around. Oh, no, no. We're not going to talk about politics on this show. But maybe that's 
like it just seems inevitable. It seems like yeah. that's all anybody wants to discuss nowadays. You're either all the way fucking liberal or all the way fucking conservative. And an asshole like me, because I'll say, is I'm in the middle. I'm not either way, and I don't want to go either way. Do I lean a little conservative on most ideas? I do, but I'll say this, as, as for the Republican Party, I don't want to hear no Christian bullshit. I don't want to hear it. Yeah, I'm not a fucking yeah. Christian. I think anybody... <laughs> I'm really going to fucking make people upset because I think even Christians ain't as Christian as they fucking think they are. Yeah. You know? And that annoys me. I think that the government and the politics... Uh, or the government and the religion thing needs to be completely disconnected. Completely. Yeah. But I also have other crazy fucking ideas and maybe someday we'll spend a, an actual episode where we can really pick brains about yeah. the politics. You know, like, so my idea, it was to, to do a, like a, a semi-unbiased approach to politics and, and try to pick it apart and explain, you know, what it is, you know? Yeah. So when people subscribe to a particular political agenda, I often think that they don't entirely know what that is, you know? They just like certain aspects of it. Yeah. And... Um, that kind of makes me worry, too, about the general public, you know? I think that the yeah. general public wants an easy fix, you know? Just a, you know, yep, these people right here are going to fix it. And then in four years, we're going to get pissed off because they're not in office no more. And, yeah. You know, or eight years or whatever, so. So I think uh, part of what you're saying, and I don't think it's any different than what it has been. I think we're maybe just more aware of it now. I think the awareness of politics and awareness of uh, yeah, I got all the different kind of motivations there are maybe in the world, I think is more front and center. And again, we talked about this with conspiracy theories. <laughs> and, and I think conspiracy theories and politics and, and all this kind of rolls into and, and films, messages and films and all this, like all these other things roll into this feeling that that socially we're either diverging or we're on totally different ends of the spectrum. Like America is not this one America that yeah. maybe we think or thought was. Maybe we have this kind of happy view of the past that, that, that America was this one big sort of entity. And I think America has always been split and especially early in America's history, there was a lot of real violent political, uh, and I like physically violent. Like people were beating each other up in Congress, kind of violent, which I yeah. think would be awesome to see again. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, Why we should go back to that? Yeah, I would be okay with that. I would actually watch and pay attention to that. Yeah, yeah. So I think I think that that we are as divided maybe as we ever were. We just didn't know it. Or maybe it's more vocal now. And maybe people are really pushing to sway other people's opinion now in a way that they didn't before. That's the part I think I get most annoyed like by. Like normal folks, not just politicians, like normal people. Yeah, so I think that that's the part about politics right now that really bothers me the most is that if I walk down this street and I and somebody says something to me and I express a slightly different opinion everybody nowadays, no matter who, no matter if it's left wing or right wing, 
whatever your political affiliation is, I feel like you instantly feel like you need to sway me in your direction and convince me that you have the right idea, that your idea is the best one and everybody else is a fucking idiot. And to me, I'm most annoyed by that. Yeah. I don't fucking care about your opinion. I really just want an ice cream cone right now. So yeah. the, the lady at Rita's Water Ice, can you shut the fuck up and give me my ice cream cone? I think, <laughs> you know, and I'm just kidding. I love Rita's Water Ice, and that didn't really happen. <laughs> it was just a, a fun little example. But, but um, what I think you're talking about is extremism. Yeah. Mental, mental extremism. Like, yeah. it, like this, this feeling that, that I have to be right. And if I'm not right then that other person has to be right, which means I'm wrong and that can't be. Yeah. And, and, you know, I, I, don't, I don't know how you solve that and I don't know how you kind of throttle that back But when you and think keep about, people from getting in your face about it. You know, so, you know, like, I, like to, to be able to step back and look at the big perspective, I often wonder, so you and I have different things going on in our lifetime, or in our lives. Yeah. You are kind of against social media like you're you're not a fan. very very minimal on there you do have a very tiny small presence yeah but you really are not a big fan and although i'm jealous of that unfortunately doing this podcast and attempting to be somewhat of a f public figure i have realized that i need to get even bigger and even more involved yeah and uh, so the reason I bring all this up is because I think it creates it creates different morals. I think it changes people. Nowadays, it's no surprise that with these YouTube channels and these YouTube celebrities and uh, the instant gratification and this self-entitled era, I often wonder, is that what is also fueling this, this, um, this new, um, not morals, but this new uh, characteristics of of people is that I'm right, you're wrong. No matter what, I'm right, you're wrong. Fuck you, I'm right, you're wrong. Yeah. You I know? Think, I think also, so this is something that, that my wife experienced recently. And I'm not going to get too much into it, uh, but she made a post, and this has probably happened to bunches of people, and we'd like to hear their stories too as kind of an example of how this works. But, you know, she put something on her page that she felt was good and inspirational and something that she was going to shoot for as a person. This yeah. is an example of somebody who's doing something that's cool, that I like, that I dig, that I want to be like this person. This person is, is great. Uh, and then somebody who doesn't really have much impact in her life at all uh, posted basically flaming her for wanting to be that way. Huh. And to me, that's a typical internet thing. That's <laughs> why I'm not on social media. I'm going to be who I am, and I don't really want anybody to tell me I shouldn't be that way or give me flack for doing that. Uh, also, if you don't have direct influence in my life on a personal level, like a face-to-face kind of level, I don't think you have the grounds to share your opinion with me. <laughs> if you wouldn't say it to me in person, right? Yeah. I don't think, I think you should think before you put it on the internet. Yeah. Oh, uh, we all wish. 
that there was that uh, safety net or catch net, yeah. not safety net, but a catch net. But I know for a fact, in fact, I've experienced the exact same thing, yeah. you know, attempting to be funny or make a, a clever little video I thought was clever yeah. and, and a few other people thought was clever. But then there's always, you know, as they say, the haters, that one asshole that just wants to voice up and, and, and whether it's an attempt to be clever on your behalf and like use use your joke to belittle you, therefore to get some form of notoriety or, or you know, like the internet is such a strange and fickle place. It's yeah. it's uh you know, like it's a, it's like a public forum. Everybody's got a microphone, everybody can voice up at any moment and say any nasty thing to you they want with zero repercussions. Yeah. You know? Fuck you, you're an asshole. Well, why'd you say that? Well, because I thought it was funny. That's that's it, you know? Everybody's a comedian. Lately, I've been wondering, especially as I dive more back, let's let's reel it back into this creative thing. Yeah. The more I dive into this comedy thing, I've been questioning, am I really a comedian? Like, am I really a, a comedy person? I enjoy comedy, yeah. but that doesn't necessarily mean that I'm a comedian. I like music. I'm not a musician. I can't make music, yeah. you know? So I often have been asking myself lately, maybe that's not what I'm good at. What I think I, I know that I am good at is I can write tragedy and, and drama and uh, more serious subject. I know yeah. that. I've experienced it enough that I can put it on paper and tell you yeah. my nasty stories. Sure, it sounds fun to uh, to want to tell funny stories, but I'm off to, I'm also wondering, is it... Is it just a bad time for comedy? Like we said earlier, is, is, you know, like if you make a joke and you offend somebody, they're going to fucking crucify you for it. Maybe right now there is a, a, a void for people that are telling more serious stories, you know? I think, well, so I think what, either way, when you do something creative, you are, and again, this is a stupid way to say it, you're exposing yourself. Not like you know, creepo in a trench coat exposing yourself. But you're taking a portion of you and who you are and you're throwing it out there for people. And um, I think in comedy, you are very exposed. Yeah. Comedy, you really... A, you have to be on point because there's a high bar, right? There's a high bar for success, success in comedy. Yeah. You either make people laugh or you don't, right? Yeah. It's very yeah. black and white. You don't get a... You know, nobody wants a little chuckle yeah, out yeah. of a joke. You want to get laughs. So it's a very extreme version of expression. And if you're not prepared to have a really bored, blah audience where your jokes fall flat, I, you know, I think it takes a little bit more bravery than normal creativity to be a comedian. Also, too... Comedy is, is such a very specific thing. Like, what you find funny is not what I find funny. Yeah. And... and Very um, objective. Yeah, it's very... And my brother, my brother is, is really into comedy. He listens to comedians uh, all the time. He'll watch comedy specials all the time. And I just don't get it. <laughs> I'm not saying that I don't find people funny. And I, I just don't go out of my way to listen to comedians. Yeah. Uh, because... 
so much of what they says falls flat for me. Yeah. Uh, I have a very specific requirements for comedy, I guess. Uh, I'm not saying that you can't be good at comedy. Sure. Uh, I think that you probably need to take a little bit extra time to figure out what you are good at. And if comedy is something you like to do, work it in when you have the mental you know, space to do it. Like yeah. if, you, if you're doing something that's dramatic, something that you mentioned before, uh, a couple shows that I know are sort of known for their sort of black humor, like like a like a like a darker humor where yeah something really terrible is happening, but you manage to turn it into something that. No, I think that's hilarious. Yeah, so I think that that's something that that is requires both of those sides, just like. Creativity, structured creativity is more successful. Yeah. For you, I think, right? Yeah. Because you can't just be creative all the time or you get out of control and things go south. But structuring. Start it, doing Coke off a of hooker's tits. Exactly. So something <laughs> that structures your creativity is more successful. And I think in general, for everybody, it's more successful. Um, something that kind of tempers your comedy, your kind of out there, crazy drive for comedy. Something that brings a little back closer to maybe your life might be a little more successful. Yeah, that's that's really uh, my process of, of trying to figure that out right now, yeah. you know. And um, I think uh, I think really I need to start working on some writing. So when I I've been listening to a lot of books and listening to a lot of comedians, uh, especially their podcast and and different suggestions that they say, definitely need to write once a day. Yeah. For about a half an hour a day, just to get used to it. Even if it's not funny, write anything. But all writers say that, you yeah. know. Like so, I've listened to um, uh, interviews and stuff with famous writers, and they literally said the same thing. You know, writer's block is impossible if you just are continuously writing. Yes. You know. So, uh, so that's definitely something that I need to start working on, and a practice of my own. And. Like a successful writer is is a disciplined writer, and that's hard because you're also as you know cuckoo crazy creative. Put anything down on the paper that you want, but you do have to have discipline to be successful at it. I think I think the biggest problem that I've been doing lately is trying to trying to put myself in this category or a box. So like. Uh, I guess the biggest problem is, is in, instead of just letting the creativity go and just sit down and write a story or write an idea down, I've been saying to myself, no, I want to be a comedian. I'm going to write comedy. And I do sometimes have funny things that come up in my mind and I have a ton of notes saved on my phone. Yeah. But I also have other stuff too and I've been neglecting it because I'm like, no, I'm only going to do comedy. I'm, I want to be known as a comedian. Maybe I'm not. Maybe, you know, so like, uh, yeah. you know, like the one guy that I work with was like, well, why don't you get into like motivational speaking? Some of the episodes you've done, you've talked about, you know, uh, just motivational stuff, you know, stuff that blue collar guys go through yeah. and, and, you know, it's uplifting, I guess. And, uh, I don't know, maybe, maybe, I mean, I, I'll tell you this, you know what I do know is that in our society or this particular area, yeah. There's a lot of negative. There's a lot of negative. And I, I think that maybe we need the opposite of that, you know? Yeah. So so I don't know if I would call myself a motivational speaker, but I want to be a nice guy, man. 
Like, like when I when somebody asks me what is this show about, yeah. I don't really have an answer. But I guess what I want people to see me as is a nice guy, a guy that will help you, and I won't fucking just give you a bunch of shit if you stop me and ask me for directions in the middle of Delaware County. Yeah. You know, because I think a lot of people out here do that. And a lot of people have snarky comments if you say that you want to try something or do something different. Somebody may, you know, call me and joke, oh, that guy, Brother Ben, he paints fucking war figurines. Yeah. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> That's what he enjoys doing. Fuck you. Yeah. You put on women's fucking panties and jerk off in the mirror. I, I don't care, dude. It doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't fucking matter what you do. Everybody has a hobby. Yeah. I think the biggest problem with the Delco area and like the Philly area, yeah. we're so fucking hostile. I don't know if the rest of the country is like this, but I don't think they are. I don't think they are. Well, I don't know. I, I had a buddy of mine that uh, kind of put himself out on a limb creatively, right? And uh, it, that's not his professional. Yeah, professional. <laughs> yeah. That's not his profession. Um, he doesn't really, uh, to my knowledge, have a, have a, a deep skill set there. It's something that he really felt that he needed to do. And uh, he had a a longtime friend of his reply back to his statement, you know, I did this creative thing with, well, you'll never, you'll never be successful at that. <laughs> and, you know, that, that's like a, a buddy of his, like a long-term friend of his. And that really affected him. Yeah. And uh, I haven't known him that long. Like we're not, uh, you know, 20 year friends, but I, I consider him a very good friend. Uh, and when he said, you know, hey, I did this, I was like, that's awesome, great. I'm glad you did that. And, and I don't know. Is this my story? This feels no, like me. no, no. This is actually a total, totally separate. I swear to God, I totally feel like separate. I told you the same thing. <laughs> people tell me that a lot. Like, yeah. hey, I did this thing. And people, it's like anything else. You know, it's like uh, my wife doing what she likes to do. Hey, I'm going to do this. Yeah. Go for it. Yeah. Go for it. She's had plenty of people tell her no. Yeah. And Why? To, well, I don't know. And Why? I don't understand because I can't do that. You I, know, like maybe that's something that I, I may would caution. Like, like, hey, you might want to think about, or if you're really going to get into this, let's be a little more, let's find our way. But yeah, I'm never you definitely got to do you. your homework. Like, like when I yeah. see somebody that says, hey, I want to work on cars. Uh, okay, yeah. yeah. But then they're like, yeah, listen, I, so I bought a motor and I bought a new transmission and I'm going to just, uh, I'm going to put it in there right there in the driveway. Well, have you ever done that before? Nope. I'm like, holy shit, man. Yeah. Like, this, this is a big deal. Like, <laughs> Yeah, like you'll tell but, people stuff to save them from complete and utter failure that's going to discourage them from continuing to do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you're not going to tell them, you're a piece of shit, don't do it. Yeah, so that's like, the that's thing. that's bad. That's horrible. Dude, I would that never happens want somebody a lot. to tell me that. That happens so much in this area that mm. it is, like, really bothersome, man. Like, it really... I swear, this whole time when you're sitting here telling this little story, I thought you were like trying to talk about me in third person because I've I've gone no. through the same thing. Yeah. Guys that I grew up with in this particular area, and I'm sure the listeners have already heard this fucking story four times or ten times now. Yeah. But dude, I got friends that I grew up with, and they're content with going to work and then going to the bar and then fucking going to sleep late at night and then waking up and doing it all over again. 
but because I'm trying to do something slightly different than the normal Delco blue collar routine, I'm a fucking asshole and I should stop. Yeah. What? So, I don't want to live in a fucking, you know, like that's, that's like, uh, what's that book, uh, A Wrinkle in Time, where everybody, like, remember? Uh, oh, yeah. When yeah. everybody bounces the ball on the street and the one kid stops bouncing the ball and everybody kind of stares at him and looks at him like, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah. You know? So uh, this brings me to a, a fella that uh, I worked with who I, I have a lot of respect for, and he grew up in a really tough situation. Uh, real hard inner city upbringing, right? And these are his words. He says that everybody is a crab in the crab bucket. Yep. And when somebody starts crawling out of the crab bucket, the other crabs drag them back in. Yep. Why? I don't know why. But it is, it's a common human thing, I guess. You know, like his situation was really bad, and he's done incredibly well for himself. He's gone from a life that was going the wrong direction. He was headed to prison or the morgue. Hmm. Self-admitted. Yeah. And to now be a successful, positive father and... Is this and, somebody you and I worked with? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah. And, and then, like, not just successful family-wise, but... Successful career-wise, yeah, like he he has totally turned his life from what it could be, could have been, to what it is today, and I think in a real positive way. And I am certain that he still gets flack from friends and family members for leaving the life that he had for a life that I think, in his opinion and in my opinion, is better for himself and his kids than it was. But like he says, you know, you're, you're, we're, we're all the crabs in the crab bucket. Well, as soon as you start trying to leave the bucket for something different, people just take shots at you. Huh. Why? I don't know. It's why. so unusual, you know. It's so mind-blowing to me that uh, you think that these are people that care about you and they would, like, support what you're trying to do. I'm pretty sure I know who you're talking about. And uh, if it's the guy I'm thinking of, I... I have a lot of respect for him, too. I didn't know yeah. how rough it was when he was coming up. I do know the neighborhood he's talking about, and that is a tough little town. Yeah. But, um, uh, dude, I don't know, man. I don't know. I, I truly don't understand. Uh, you know, like, like on, along those same lines, I mean, anybody that has ever been successful, you know, when you look at... You know why I love... I, you know why America is the greatest? Is because there is that option that if you want to push yourself that far, it is still yeah. an option. It is an option. You know, like, so so people don't want to, uh, you know, people don't want to put in that much work. So when you look at Jay-Z or Puff Daddy or fucking Eminem or Michael Jordan or any one of these famous celebrities nowadays that are now yeah. multimillionaires, yeah. you know, uh, and you can just go down the list of every fucking celebrity that ever made it, you know? Yeah. Brad Pitt, the famous actor, is from, like, yeah. Missouri. Like, some shithole, little tiny-ass town in fucking Missouri. Yeah. You know? And I know that because Ethan fucking told me that. I didn't yeah. even know that. You yeah, know? me neither. So... I, fig I figure most actors, they, they weren't kind of born with a silver spoon. But, yeah, so... I mean, now there's probably a dynasty of actors that are. Sure. You know, but... And I think that it, it is going to be... 
continuous like that, that you are going to pe have people that are born into a certain amount of wealth. Our country is like that, man. Also a certain amount of talent, I would have to say. Like yeah. How, yeah, many, yeah, yeah. how many musicians have kids that are accomplished musicians? Probably because genetics somewhere yeah, somewhere maybe. in there says that you probably ought to be good at this thing. Yeah. You know, you may not be as good as your pop or your mom or whoever it is that was the successful musician, actor, scientist, you know, space astronaut, but the raw materials there. I still think that there's always going to be a need for uh, raw hunger and talent. Yeah. So, like, off of the streets, from a shitty little neighborhood, you're always going to have, at least in this country, you know, here in the United States, it is a wonderful place because if you or I push hard enough, we're trying to do this, there is no reason that this can't be a multi-million dollar business in the next 10 years if we just continue to work hard and push ourselves in this particular direction and we take advantage of every chance and situation that comes our way. And we get lucky. And luck. Luck has a lot to do with yeah. it. But, it. but luck is no luck if you don't take the opportunity when it's presented. Well, that's that's kind of what I meant by like take advantage of the opportunity. If you see yeah. an opportunity... I mean, Eminem sung about it, a whole fucking song about that particular thing. Is if something lands on your feet and you don't take it, shame on you. Yeah. It's your fucking fault. Because yeah. it was sitting right there and you didn't fucking pick it up. Yeah. You know? And I don't know, man. I think that um, I think that our country is the greatest because we have this choice, this option to do that. Go to a fucking foreign country and, and tell them you're going to be a multi-million dollar celebrity and, and you're going to fucking go to China. You know, everybody right now is pushing for socialism and communism. A little bit mind-blowing. I'm a soldier and I'm not going to approach that subject because I definitely have strong feelings towards it. Yeah. But um, go to a communist country and tell them that you want to be one of their wealthy elites <laughs> through some talent that you have, and they're going to fucking laugh at you until you get back on the factory floor, you know? <laughs> like, I, well, to that, I think people fail to realize, and, and this applies to America too, but uh, overseas, there are still peasants. Yeah. I'm not talking about people who are lower. I'm talking about peasants, dirt farmers. Yeah. They only grow enough, can barely grow enough, for themselves I've seen survive. it with my own two eyes I know for a fact that there are parts of this world that are so incredibly fucking poor yeah that it almost makes you wonder why would you even live here you know like to me yeah. I remember thinking that at one point I was in Kosovo I was deployed there and it was a very like from the air when you're in a fucking helicopter it's a beautiful place and then when you get close to the land you think this place is in fucking ruins, yeah. you know? Why would you live here? Why would you not pack your shit up and leave? Well, you know? I think a lot of people do. Uh, um, and I think maybe America, what makes, what sets America apart is this kind of national culture of hope. Yeah. I, I, I have hope that someday I cannot just be who I am today. I can be something different. I think that that's something that maybe no other country that is has the American at its dream. Core. Yeah, yeah, that is the American and dream. And it's in our, it's like kind of in the 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 bedrock of what 
our government and our and our culture was formed off of. Yeah. You know, and sometimes we do it right, sometimes we don't do it right, but the idea is there and and I don't think every other country has it. So, you know, like I've been toying with this idea of like um not everybody's going to achieve the American dream. Not everybody. That's the issue. I guess the American dream really needs to be not achievable, but I think uh, I think so many people and the so what I'm saying is is I look at right now this drug problem in our nation, which seems to be progressively getting worse as every decade goes past. Yeah. This war on drugs <laughs> is supremely fucking lost, in my opinion. You know? Yeah. And when I think about that, I wonder what is the underlying reason for a drug addiction? And to me, I think it's depression. I think that... Hopelessness, yeah. I think you have a large number of youth that wanted the American dream and then maybe he realized, oh shit, I'm not going to get it. I feel like that's what happened to me. Yeah. I can only speak for myself. I can only theorize what other people have gone through or experienced. But I know as a, as a young, um, fucked up, entitled young American kid... I thought that I was the greatest fucking artist that ever existed and everybody needs to bow the fuck down and I'm going to be a millionaire by 18 years old because my paintings are going to sell for fucking billions. Yeah. I'm going to break records for how much my fucking paintings are worth. And then the great reality was is you're not the only fucking artist out here. Yeah. In fact, there are a lot of artists out here and some of them are much better than you. Yeah. In fact... The more I look at it, a lot of them, most of them are much better than you. And then you see how that like, like psychologically starts working your way down the totem pole. I went from being the best and I slowly started chipping away until I was the dead fucking last, yeah. you know. And nowadays people are like, oh, man, you're a pretty good artist. How come you don't do that for a living? Because, because I just can't. It doesn't pay the bills. <laughs> yeah. and I don't think it's just that. Is is what you touched on there is self-confidence. Yeah. If your self-confidence was sky high. I'm amazing at this. It's the self-confidence of a child that doesn't really know the realities of the world. I, I see it in my son. I'm, I'm amazing at this, Dad. And what are you going to tell him? No, you're not. <laughs> you know, that's awful. Punch you tell him in him, the face. <laughs> yeah, you, you tell him... <laughs> Yes, you are. Of course you are. Yeah. That's a wonderful drawing. That's a that's a beautiful thing you did. That's great. You are talented and wonderful. As a parent, you have to do that because reality isn't for 5-year-olds. Yeah. You know, reality isn't for 12-year-olds, to be honest with you. Reality is best left to when you're old enough to be able to assimilate it. But I don't think we grow up enough mentally to be able to handle that. It's too close to who we are to say, oh, well, you suck at that. Yeah. Until you're old enough to like realize, yeah, I suck at that. I don't have to be good at that. If it's something that I want to be good at, I can try hard and I will be better at it, but I may never be the best. That's a hard, that's a hard thing for Americans to learn, I think. You well, know? We all want to be the best musician. Yeah. You know, I want to be able to pick up a, that guitar in the corner and rock out like Prince. Prince? I, I was thinking Jimi Hendrix myself, anybody. but anybody. But I can't do that. 
I haven't put in the work. I probably don't have the raw talent. To you be could that probably guy. sing Purple Rain though. Come on, sing Purple Rain for I, me. No, no, I can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying that any any that Prince was just what popped into my head. But you know, I, I'm like we want to be able to do that. We want to be able to pick up anything, and video games tells us. We can pick up anything and be awesome. Oh man, don't get on that subject. I mean, and as a, as I a, love video games. As but. a U.S. Army veteran, there is nothing more fucking irritating. Uh, this was literally I, I literally talked about this on the first ever episode yeah. that I did of this podcast. Bring it back full circle. Yeah, man. So like, I remember this this heavy set kid telling me, "Yeah, I'm going to join the military," and I'm like. You know, dude, it's not like the video games you play, you know, like, yeah. you know, like that's the hardest part, I think, is, again, this is explaining to a young person that you're not going to be the best. When a young person comes up to me and they play Call of Duty and they play all uh, whatever these video games, I can't remember the name of all of them, but uh, yeah. there's a lot of yeah. famous war games, yeah. video games out right now. And young people will come up to me. And they'll say, oh, man, I want to be, you know, a special forces or I want to be Delta or I want to be a Ranger or a Marine sniper or, you know, Navy SEAL or whatever. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, dude, maybe maybe you should just try to pass the PT test first. You know, like maybe you should just work on being a grunt soldier. Yeah. You know, I don't know, man. I know a fellow that in his day was in good physical condition, uh, served in combat zones and was probably incredibly good at his job and he wasn't delta <laughs> and he wasn't special forces on his best day then he probably could have wiped the floor with me and just about anybody else that tried to try to mess with him and he'll tell you those guys were a breed apart oh yeah I have they a buddy. were a breed apart they were totally different from you or i but not just from training level there was a basic personality thing that made them who they were oh, yeah. and made them that good at that There time. is a psychological disconnect for guys that do that particular job. Some guys can disconnect. They can still be emotional humans, but they can disconnect and know that this is a job. Yeah. In fact, I have a, a, a good friend that I've befriended uh, recently um, who was a U.S. Army Ranger, and yeah. he dealt with some some shit you know he had a family member very close to him pass away right as he was going through ranger school and that fucked him up pretty good i think yeah but he he had to find a way to remove his emotions to continue to do the job yeah and i think that there are people that can do that i am not i'll tell you right now i am not an army ranger i never fucking was i barely passed a pt test not because I'm a fat ass or I'm lazy or nothing, but just because I am not the perfect specimen of uh, physique. You know, like I'm yeah, not. Yeah. I'm short and stocky. I can do a million fucking push-ups. For some reason, I struggled with the sit-ups. And the run, I think the best run time I ever did, a two-mile run, I think I ever did was uh, like 14 and a half, which was me... That was me on jet fuel. I probably drank... <laughs> that was probably the first time I ever drank like... My fucking Starbucks drinks that I love. That's probably the first time I ever drank one of them. Yeah. A half an hour before I ran, went out there and ran my fucking nuts clean off. Yeah. And I probably puked and threw up on the two-mile <laughs> mark. Yeah. Doing 14 and a half. Maybe not even. I'm going to say it's probably closer to four, like high 14s. Yeah. I'm not a runner. I'm fucking 5'6". 
I'm 210 pounds of fucking fat and some muscle. <laughs> I'm not a runner, man. I'm not a gazelle. Yeah. Not meant for this. Yeah. But, um, so yeah, I was not a, a, a you know, a, a stellar soldier. I was a, a mediocre soldier at best. And you know what, dude? There's a, there's a place for guys like me. It's yes. okay to be just a grunt, man. It's okay to be... Well, the Army, army know, runs on yeah, normal soldiers. You know? Any Shitheads like me. Dude, I was supplied yeah. before I went infantry. And then uh, I did infantry school. And then, you know, as a young, dumb soldier, you think that you missed out on something by not deploying. Yeah. And uh, I got lucky, you know, because friends of mine didn't come home, you know? And, yeah. and now, looking back, and with... With enough healing, I've realized that I got fucking lucky. I got really lucky, you know? So, you know, that's why I'm here to do a podcast, is to be a millionaire. I must be here for a reason, right? That's what God put me here for? Yeah. Christians? Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> Whatever higher power you believe in. You know. But I, I Big think, baby I think Jesus. What, what you're saying is that there there is an elite, right? In so, anything. Oh, in so that's where this all started. At. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. In the military and yeah. in acting, there's an elite. Yeah. And the hope is that if you're if you're if you have it within you to be disciplined enough and talented enough to be the elite, you can be. So you let me, can make it. Let in me America. interrupt you right now. Cause I think I think that I am honestly one of the best bullshit artists in Delaware County. At the very least, I may not be the funniest, but I tell some fucking stories. Yeah. And I think that's why this show is going to be successful because yeah. I mean, if there's a guy around here that can tell you some bullshit stories, I'm that fucking guy. <laughs> I, I would agree with that. You've got some that, pretty crazy stories. That's my talent, man. That's my talent. I've been sitting on a shit story for you. Oh, you no. told us a shit story what three weeks ago? I did. I did. I did. I'm not not particularly proud of that moment, but it was. Dude, it I have multiple shared. shit stories, but I have like like, dude, it's so bad, man. So we're gonna so, go off the rails a little bit. Nah, I don't know. And, Should we do it? And, Should we do a shit story? You want to close that out with a shit story? Uh. So that people can turn it off before it gets real. All right. So listen. Fuck it. Let's do this, man. So let me explain to you uh, who never have done opiates. Let me tell you this. Doing opiates gives you constipation really bad. Really bad. So, uh, and for me, for some strange reason, it would also stop me from pissing. So when, back in the day when I was taking Oxycontins, I would take a bunch of Oxycontins and then I would go stand in the bathroom and I would have to piss so fucking bad that I literally thought that my bladder was going to rupture. It was so fucking bad. And, uh, you know, shit, shit in the same way. Like, literally the same problem. I yeah. had to shit so fucking bad, and just the plumbing down there was like, fuck you, the valve's closed. We're not doing this. We're, we're shut down for business. We're on strike. That you doesn't know? sound like a lot of fun. <laughs> it's horrible. So, so listen, I just moved into my apartment that I begged my dad to rent me because he owned the building. And uh, because my ex kicked me the fuck out because I was such a junkie and she was tired of dealing with my shit. Yeah. Now, she's a nurse. And she was tired. And she was a little concerned with me, uh, like, like her work, finding out about me living in her home 
and she was concerned that it was going to cause her problems with her work, which is all very justified. You yeah. know, I, I don't hold nothing against her about that. Um, so what do I do is I eat a shitload of fucking pills and I can't piss her shit and I'm in my little crappy apartment and because I'm so fucking dumb, how could I make this situation worse is I'm literally calling her and texting her and I'm like, I can't fucking shit. I don't know what to fucking do. And she's a nurse in the hospital trying to do her job. Yeah. And now her ex idiot fucking boyfriend is crying on the fucking phone because he can't shit. So, uh, so she explains to me to go down to, you know, the pharmacy and, and get some, uh, what's that syrup? Uh, the, the fucking, um, the syrup that you can drink. Oh no, the stuff that you use before. Uh, uh, oh yeah, dude. Uh, yeah, what, what is yeah, it, colonoscopy? yeah, yeah. Colonoscopy. Yeah, man. Well, that stuff cleans serious. you shit right out, dude. So she suggests to go down there and buy two bottles of that shit, and then also try and give myself an enema. Well, that sounds fun. Yeah, dude. So, and I wouldn't let her off the fucking phone. So, like, she's still on the fucking phone with me, and it's still, like, nothing is happening, man. And, uh... (laughs) So, I drink the two bottles, and I'm still... Like squirting water up my ass, trying to get things to work, yeah. and nothing's occurring. And then suddenly, uh, it does start to work, and I like fucking paint the whole goddamn bathroom, oh <laughs> like my God. everything. Like I was not prepared for it to suddenly show the fuck up, and now it's gonna happen. Oh, no. She's on the fucking phone, and I'm like, oh my god, oh my god, it's fucking happening. And dude, there is like everything on the floor. It's like. All over the fucking, all over the goddamn toilet. I try to get into the bathtub and like I'm standing in the bathtub at this point with my fucking pants around my ankles, just filling up my fucking pants. (laughs) So needless to say, she never answered my phone calls ever again. And uh, I don't think I've seen her to this day. Yeah. And and she only lives a few miles from here. I think she's probably seen me and ran. Is that like a a long, like how long were you in the bath, like closed in the bathroom, just blowing your guts out? When it finally happened? Yeah. Oh, I mean, it wasn't long. I mean, what, like, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes, and then I was empty, dehydrated. constant. Yeah. Constant expulsion. But but that's the problem with opiates is, uh, and I was eating nothing. Like, I was eating, like, uh, junk food and, and Wawa food from across the street, and it's all inside just doing nothing it's not coming out so like when it did it just like (laughs) fucking candy coated everything and then i had to clean all this up you know (laughs) as i'm crying because my girlfriend won't take me back i was a pathetic fucking human dude it was awesome you kind of hit rock well that wasn't rock bottom no that wasn't wasn't rock bottom (laughs) dude we had further to go we had way further to go so yeah man that was um I'm just glad I got to share that with uh, all 20 of my listeners. <laughs> and now you. So so don't do drugs, kids. So yeah, yeah. so if you're going to do opiates, uh, don't. Actually, if you're not going to do if you're going to do any drugs, you probably should just not. <laughs> I haven't really heard of anybody well, other than marijuana. Marijuana seems to have some redeeming qualities to it, but uh 
Whatever, dude. I don't know why I'm yeah. sitting here trying to fucking justify anything. Look, man, I did my it, it fair was share. What it was, yeah. You know, it got me into a lot of trouble. That was one of many shit stories. Damn. Yeah, dude. That's pretty. That's I think pretty we heavy. should make this a thing. We should make this. Uh, <laughs> hey, so what do they talk about on Yardbird Tuna? Well, they talk about normal stuff and they go into deep conversations. Yeah. And then he ends the whole thing with a shit story because well, he's have, a fucking idiot. I have another <laughs> one. I have another one that we'll save for another day. Outstanding. So we might can make this a thing if that's something you really want to do. Yeah. All right. Shit stories. <laughs> if we're blue collar retards, I think shit stories is necessary. I'll tell you this. It fits the mold, doesn't it? Dude, I was mad. I was mad because I went down to Norfolk yeah. uh, Wednesday night. And I walk into the porta potty Thursday to use the porta potty, and there was no graffiti. I said, "You fucking guys don't know how to run a construction site around here." Yeah. yeah. If there are no dick pictures and fucking nasty <laughs> racist shit written all over the walls, then I feel like I'm on a you know like yeah I don't know where I'm at right now you know so so so, so the, the the nasty racist shit I could do without. <laughs> Oh no Cause, no! Cause I think it's, it's hilarious. It's never very smart. Like yeah, it's but it clever goes back and, cool and forth. You get a you got oh, one yeah, shithead yeah, yeah. that draws a swastika, <laughs> and then another guy like doesn't it always start with a swastika? It does. It either starts with a swastika or something nasty and like something really mean in Spanish. Or that, yeah. yeah. That's it's usually the beginning. I'm yeah. not targeting specific groups. I just like but, watching the whole chain of, yeah, of yeah. writings that are underneath of whatever it is. So the swastika, you can see clearly that they drew a swastika or they scratched in with a razor or, yeah. or something. Yeah. And then some other asshole connected all the lines. So now it's a square with a cross with four in squares it. in it. You yeah, know, yeah. yeah. And then somebody writes next to it, yeah, well, fuck you and your president. He's getting impeached or, or something, yep. you know. And then somebody writes, all right, go back to your fucking country, you know. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's usually how it goes. And then there's a dick drawn next to it that says your mom sucked this last night. I love porta potties, man. Yeah. I think they're awesome. So, I don't touch anything inside of them. Like oh, you, nothing. you can't. Yeah, my dick floats in the air because I'm afraid my hand might have touched something. Hey. So I just just aimlessly piss. Yeah. You know? No, no, <laughs> oh, I'm you're good. that guy. I'm good. No, no, I'm good. I have guy. good aim. I have good aim. Oh. Yeah, I get it right into that little fucking trough, you know? I will have to say, though, that the, the dick drawings are essential. They're, they are a must. Yeah. And, they're, they're, and you know what? I wonder if in the women's porta-potties all... there's vagina drawings. I don't know. There's Ladies. probably dick drawings in there, too. Ladies, somebody tell me if there are vagina drawings in the in the uh, the women's porta-potties. Yeah, you wonder. Yeah. Because dudes are pretty savage about that. Like, if you show up to a porta-potty and there's not a dick drawing in there, somebody doesn't have any imagination or artistic skill. Like, that's, that's, a, I, that's a shameful thing. I like how they collaborate. One guy will draw the outline of the dick, and then clearly with a different color marker, somebody yeah. will also like start to draw in the veins, the, and then my, the next my, guy will draw in the cum shooting out of the tip of it. My favorite is the guy that she's. You know what? We're gonna we're gonna take this all the way and start drawing pubic hair on it. That yeah. guy. That guy is the closer. Yeah, he's the closer. <laughs> or uh, when they start to draw a woman attached to it, or you know, like like there's just. I feel like yeah. this is really the connection of blue collar humor, you know? Well, the I, dick drawing. There was there was a somebody in one of the last jobs I was at that like they were pretty talented for drawing naked ladies. Oh yeah. But then other people added on some seriously heinous 
stuff <laughs> after that. Like you had this this beautifully drawn woman, and then somehow magically the next day she was doing some really out there kinky stuff that I just wasn't into. And, and listen, it, it's it, too late. We've already talked about the dick pics. I want to hear what these ladies. The, oh man, the, there was there was shit involved. And, oh, there was shit and, up, and and it's almost always on a on a superintendent of some kind. <laughs> you know, like it it went it went pretty crazy. You know what's funny is now that I don't work there, I'll admit it, dude. There was yeah. a couple guys in the shipyard that I used to trash, and if I had a marker or a pen in my fucking pocket, and it's so <laughs> funny because nowadays people will occasionally post stuff about the shipyard, yeah, yeah. and I'll be like, yeah, well, fuck this guy. I hope he fucking dies, <laughs> and I'll say it, and they'll go, yup, I agree with that, and yeah. then like 10 people that used to work down there all yeah. will agree. I mean, isn't it crazy when people have like this, uh, like we know that that guy is hated this much, you know? Well, that's something that was kind of special about that spot, that that the people that were some of the least, maybe it wasn't special, maybe it's not special, I don't know, but some people that were some of the least liked. Yeah. Not just for their personal qualities, which were not great to begin with, yeah. but for their inability to do their job correctly. They were some of the most successful people there. Like, like they were bosses. Oh, yeah. They got a lot of money. Yeah, yeah. And, and it wasn't because they did their jobs well. I don't know how they got paid that way to do what they did, but they got paid that way to do what they did. That place, someday I'm going to write a story just about that place alone. You know? Like, I, I have stories that I want to write about different moments in my life. And that is definitely on the list. Yeah, yeah. You know? And it's not necessarily anything that I personally went through. You know? I think it was a growth moment in my life. It was definitely where yeah. I moved uh, professionally through different, you know... You know, I went from being a blue-collar guy, and then towards the end there, I, I realized that I no longer want to do that. You know, yeah, and I wanted to yeah. try something different. And there, I guess that's the arc of the real story that I want to tell. But it's also so much corruption. There was yeah. just so much corruption in that yard. Yep. And I witnessed all of it. It was all yeah. just right there in front of all of us. Part of the problem is it, is it was there were so many open secrets uh. about how dirty that place was. And I'm not just talking about on the lower levels. Yeah. There was so much stuff going on at higher levels that everybody thought that nobody knew about, that <laughs> yeah. everybody knew about. Yeah. And and it destroyed the morale of the place, and it made it less successful than it could have been. And this is starting before I even got there. Everybody knew... Uh-oh, who's that? I thought I heard somebody peeing. I thought the goddamn dog was peeing right there. <laughs> everybody knew that... When the place was first founded, refounded after the the Navy Yard closed, yeah, that there was uh, top flight executives embezzling millions of dollars. Crazy man! Like it's it's you know that place was broken the minute it was founded, the yeah. way they did it, and it <laughs> stayed that broken and even more broken and more slimy the longer it stayed open. So I, I just hope that there's a reset. And that they eliminate that part of the culture. 
I don't think so, man. But I don't think it's going to happen. Because uh, you still got the so. same gang at the top yeah. running the whole thing. Yeah. And you they keep all the same people in those middle levels running the thing. The culture always starts at the top. Yeah. That's the problem. Anytime I go to a job site, and you go to a lot of job sites too, yeah. and I have some customers, uh, well, not customers, but the, the grunts, the workers... They're the ones that I interact with. And a lot of them will bitch and complain about, oh, well, this job does this and this job does that. And they're fucked up and they do this. Yeah. And I always think, well, who is at the top? The culture starts at the top. It yeah. doesn't start at the bottom. It's not like middle management was like, hey, guys, up there. Look, this is this. the way they think down here. So we're all going to do it, too. Yeah. No, it goes the other way. It goes in the opposite direction. Like Uber. Yeah. Take Uber as a great example of how corporate culture from the top down corrupt just riddled with inefficiencies and scumbag behavior. Really? Uber's like that? Oh, yeah. They had a whole big thing about it in the news a couple... Of, well, it was a year or so ago when it first went public. It's one of the reasons why it hasn't done so well on, on uh, open trading. No shit. Yeah. It was I would like to just before look into IP, that. I I'm think curious. it was just before the IPO hit. Like, sexual abuse, sexual misconduct, um, uh, like... Uh, Really shitty treatment of employees, like all kinds of stuff. Huh. Whole big thing. Now, again, this might be relative to what people in the tech sector are used to. Yeah. Uh, but I don't know. I mean, probably compared to the shipyard or some mom and pop company, it's probably no different. But... I think corporations are all the same no matter what their industry. Yeah. The culture... To I think that that's... Some people wonder, how come the CEO of... Uh, for example, Ford yeah. can go become the CEO of Coca-Cola. Totally different industry. How is that possible? Because business is business. At that level... I think at that level, yeah. You know, at that level, you're looking at only a certain thing. All you got to do is make sure your managers are doing what they're supposed to be doing, yeah. and everything's going to work out. I think you know? it, it's kind of like, uh, not to bring this back to politics specifically, but it's it's... A representation of uh, this same kind of how leadership structures work. Yeah. The president may not be a military genius, right? Yeah. He may not have any military experience at all. In fact, it's more common for him not to. Yeah. But he has cabinet members and generals in the Joint Chiefs of Staff and Department of Defense. He has all these. He's not an intelligence expert. He may not have come from the CIA, but he's got people. Yeah. A president or any leader has to lead correctly. And then they have to have specialists who know how to do the things, know the market, know how to do marketing, know the business, know how to do logistics. Like He's got to have people. He's got to have the right people that have the right knowledge yeah. to do his job well. It's a symbiotic thing. If he picks the wrong people or picks the people for the wrong reasons... It's not going to function right, hmm. you know. Like uh, if I if I pick this guy because he's my brother-in-law and I really like him and he needs, you know, I want my uh, my nieces and nephews to have a good life. Uh, but he's an idiot and doesn't know the job and doesn't have the right skill set. I picked the wrong guy. My yeah. business is not going to function well. If I pick the right guy and he's a scumbag, he's got all the knowledge, he's got all the skills. But he doesn't fit with the moral standards I've set for my company in that he lies to customers, 
Hmm. He cheats my accounts. My business isn't going to be successful. You got to have a guy that lines up. Ah, oh, in a theoretic world. And shit. And shit. <laughs> shit stories. Yeah. All right, brother. I think we're going to wrap it up, man. Sounds good. Thanks for coming in, dude. You bet. Yeah, man. Thank You're the man. Thank you. All right. We're out of here. All right.